Okay, Kate, I've got a question for you. Mm-hmm. What is a piece of media that you remember really scaring you as a child? This is very easy. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't all, trying to stump you. No, I know. First <laughs> of all, everything. Like Scooby-Doo, I couldn't even sure. watch at night. Like I was a mm-hmm. weenie. Mm-hmm. Um, but the biggest, I will say, is the movie Mars Attacks, mm. which I am told is a comedy. But when you are too young, it is not funny. Yeah. I was very not okay with it. And like for years, it like I couldn't even like see the aliens from it. And even now as an adult, I'm like, I should rewatch it. Like I go to horror movies now. I'm like no longer a weenie, but there's still like something in my brain that's like absolutely not. Yeah, it was too no, much no, no. for you. Yes. No, it was not. It was not okay. And I it's still not okay. And I hear it's a great movie, but I just I'll never know. Sure. It hit you at the wrong time. Yep. How about you? Uh, just, well, actually my story is also Tim Burton related, Oh, <laughs> but, uh, what a monster. I, I, I know horrible, horrible <laughs> by all accounts from what I've heard, just a just nasty, a bad man. nasty <laughs> fellow that Tim Burton who never made a good movie in his life in every, <laughs> well, he hasn't made a good movie for the, for the last 20 years, but yeah, that's no, a discussion a for another podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, um, it's funny, yeah, I mean, Tim Burton in interviews seems to be literally the happiest little kind of ghoulish man I've ever seen in my life. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Mars Attacks. I saw Mars Attacks in a sneak preview in a double feature with Space Jam. Which I, is... I did, when it was too scary, I left the theater to go watch Space Jam again. Yes, that totally makes sense because it was all at the same time. Yeah, yeah and Space Jam's a fucking dope movie. Yeah, and but Mars Attacks and Space Jam as a double feature was actually like a dream. It was wonderful. I think so from what fun. I hear, Attacks, it sounds good. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it, they they also both have like they're very cartoony and they're both uh, alien invasion yeah. plots. Yeah, it was fun. It was a good double feature, you know, because that was something that movie mo- uh, studios used to do to get advanced word of mouth that they don't do anymore mm-hmm. is they would do special sneak previews before a movie would open and it would always be in double feature with another movie and you'd only pay the price of one ticket to go to mm-hmm. both movies. So they, you know, I used to love that. Mars Attacks and and Space Jam were such a fun double feature. Anyway, the one that I'm going to say is, yeah, I was six years old, maybe five, and I watched Pee Wee's Big Adventure I was going to say, is it large, Marge? Yeah, it it was. (laughs) I was such a fan of the the TV show and then the movie and specifically the large Marge sequence, which I was not into. And then this dream sequence with the clowns. That was kind of it for me. The -hmm. clowns was really hard on me. The clowns who dismantle Pee-wee's bicycle. (laughs) Way too much. And then one of the clowns takes off his surgical mask because they're all dressed like doctors and he has like, all these ghoulish teeth. Mm-hmm. Too scary for a six-year-old. Couldn't you're, sleep. You're not the first person I've he- heard be genuinely terrified of Large Marge. Oh, yeah. Really awful, the face thing. And such a big surprise. Yeah. By the way, Large Marge, years ago, there was a Herald team called Big Margaret. Oh, okay. And I said to one of them, is this a reference to Large Marge? And they looked at me like I was a lunatic. Oh, and then finally, I kept saying it to different people. And then finally, one of them was like, yeah, thank you. Yeah, like, obviously. Like, yeah, That's a great name. Like, Big Margaret's a great name. I had an improv team once named after B. Arthur. 
that I want to address just because I thought it was a very funny thing that it was a com- it was a story that a friend of mine from the team had where she was in college and some friend of hers got too drunk and was talking about how much he loved B. Arthur and he kept calling her Beata. <laughs> so we named our team Beata <laughs> after B. Arthur. <laughs> you love it. You love it. Yeah, you love it. <laughs> anyway, those are the things that scared us as kids. Let's roll that theme song. and gals welcome to xoxo riverdale i'm louis perlman i'm kate vatter and this is your favorite riverdale fan podcast where we are talking about the episodes of riverdale and how we felt about them we're tackling chapter 122 tales in a jugular vein Mm -hmm. but before we get to it kate any big riverdale fan news (laughs) Having already discussed what this is, it feels very funny calling it fan news. It's fan news! Get ready, fans! relative to the season premiere. It uh, is. The woman who accused Emmett Till died, and no one feels bad. Yes. Good riddance. Yeah. Bad rubbish. Yeah, a few years ago it came out that she had recanted some stuff, and then it turns out she didn't. Nope, she just stayed bad to the end. She was just a racist. Yep. Jerk. Yep. Ugh, we hate to see it, folks. So that's all we have for Riverdale news for now. <laughs> that's yep. fine. Yep. I know nothing's really. They've been kind of uh, soft on social media. Like there hasn't been anything really to address or discuss. You know. Yeah. In certain ways, no news is good news mm-hmm. because, like, you know, <laughs> the stuff we were talking about before regarding Cole Sprouse. It's like I'm fine with. <laughs> Not, no, not ranting and raving about Cole Sprouse misbehaving, you know? Yeah. Ooh, ranting and raving about Cole Sprouse misbehaving. Ooh, Ooh it's the title of my new single. <laughs> it's a long one. People are going to, like, really tailor down, but it's going to be called Raving. Like, yes. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah, and they're going to think that I'm a raver. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not. <laughs> no, not at all. Anyway, <laughs> so should we get into the episode then? Yeah, real quick. This cool. was not the first... Tales from the Dark Side episode. Or Tales from the... Uh, yeah. No, 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 the no, no, last no, no, one was no. called Tales from the Dark Side. Yeah, because the last one felt more like Tales from the Dark Side. And this one felt more like Tales, Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. This was a this had a real different vibe to it. So this is, yeah. you know, uh, Tales in a Jugular Vein. So, uh, first of all, question I always like to ask my, my dear co-host. Did you enjoy this episode? I did. Cool. Yeah, yeah. What what did you like about this one? Um, I think it's fun when they go just like completely off the rails. Like none of this is going to matter for the rest of the series. They were just having fun with it. And I they do well when they go kind of off the books. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is an episode, honestly, that uh I am gonna try to check myself before I wreck myself with this episode. In terms of, I don't want to just become like a like a blabbermouth about uh-huh. it. Uh, but 
that being said, I mean, like, this is everything I want. <laughs> I know. An, in an episode of a TV show. Yeah. This is real. This felt like very catered specifically to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. And just to discuss that differentiation, I felt like the Tales from the Dark Side episode was a little moodier than this mm-hmm. was. And this was, of course, influenced by Tales from the Crypt very, mm-hmm. very, very strongly is the biggest influence. But I also want to give out a shout out specifically to the, the film Creep Show, which this borrows a lot of visual language from. Have you have you ever seen Creep Show? I'm not seeing Creep Show. Okay, the, totally cool. Um, totally fine because I wanted to do a bit of an explainer for the audience anyway when it comes to Creep Show. Mm-hmm. So Creep Show is George Romero's and Stephen King's tribute to EC Comics that came out in the early '80s. So the screenplay was written entirely by Stephen King, and it was directed by Romero. And it follows the same format as this episode where we see pages of a comic book and then it zooms in on the page and then the, the piece starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing that was a little different about this in terms of the format that they actually did kind of better is they had the host, this, this key keeper guy <laughs> um, who was narrating whose voice sounded similar to the Crypt Keeper's voice from, yeah. from the TV show Tales from the Crypt. And t- that was a puppet, uh, you know, uh, like a weird, oh, like wait, a really fun. <laughs> no, it's just an old oh, guy. I thought it was a real ghoul. <laughs> I'm so sorry to spoil that for you. And Cre- Creep Show also has like a host character whose name is the Creep, who's actually a, a puppet that was made out of, a medical corpse <laughs> so pretty cr- pretty ghoulish pretty mm-hmm. weird um but he doesn't speak or do all sort of the fun jokes uh that the hosts these like sort of comic book horror hosts normally do but he does have monologues that are on the page that you see <laughs> but you don't hear them out loud you sort of can read them very quickly the other thing that creep show does that i just want to shout out that's so fun is in between pieces, they cut back to the comic, really sort of dark, weird, synthy, synthy music plays, but then you see, like, the ads that are in the comic, so there's, like, a cutaway to, like, a, like you know, no, a novelty page of, like, x-ray specs and whoopee cushions, <laughs> and then it goes back into, like, the next scary story. The things that they borrowed specifically for this episode is when something particularly scary happened, they change the color palette. Creepshow uh, also puts frames around things that are supposed to be highlighted the way that they did in this, which, mm-hmm. you know, I think is such a fun, effective way to sort of convey what a comic book, reading a comic book feels like in a different visual medium. And doesn't happen a lot in other movies, like, or yeah. other media depictions like it does actually happen in that angley hulk movie that deserves a, a reevaluation because it's actually really interesting the way it's made yeah but you know it was such a bomb when it came out yeah. but it, it happens here which is so cool um the color palette changes and then the use of like some uh, what are called uh, gobos here and there which i know some of our listeners won't know what that 
means it, it means basically like lights shaped into a certain made into a certain shape like uh the spider light that went, went across betty as she fell asleep in her beehive in that sequence you know so yeah i i loved all of that and it moved at a really good pace all the stories felt like they all the stories were were fun there wasn't really a dud yeah which, which i thought was really great and everybody performance wise is having a blast that's great and like a lot of this was played very broadly and the actors were doing an excellent job so stylized when they're doing playing not their characters they're having so much fun that like the side off episodes like this end up really good yeah but they they're playing like archetypes of their characters like that's the thing is it's actually just like because it's it's such a broad comic book style but it's like okay here's betty and veronica actually being written believably here's mm -hmm. archie being written properly <laughs> like like specifically the love triangle story you know that's such a proper version of archie <laughs> and KJ Appa was like eating it up with like a fork and knife. He was having such a blast playing that version yeah. of Archie. And it, it does make me a little sad as to like what could have been. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like, I do think that we needed to suffer through maybe a few seasons of this show as a normal show, quote unquote, normal show to do wackadoo episodes like this, but certainly mm -hmm. not, you know, really the. Yeah, yeah like the five the five middle seasons yeah like seasons or like seasons two through five which were like oh my god <laughs> yeah and then season six the superhero season was really fun and now mm -hmm. the season's great like yeah so anyway real quick this is kind yes. of a side kind of related to comic books yeah, i'm still yeah. in like some riverdale facebook groups that i just like scroll past and don't stop on generally sure one of them i, I scrolled by today and someone was like, they couldn't figure out who Julian was. And like people explained it, but they were like getting really argumentative. What were and they getting argumentative about? What? That's crazy. Know, the person was, but here it gets more intense because they were so argumentative about it. And then someone was like, you're supposed to be able to watch this season without knowing the others. And then they were like, well, then how would I know that Julian and Jason aren't the same person? It's like, well, you wouldn't know who Jason was if you didn't see the other seasons. And someone was like, well, it's Jason in the comic books. And someone said, well, I didn't know there were comic books. Oh, so. really? Oh, <laughs> I didn't know there were comic books. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> it feels like if you got deep enough into the show to have qualms with the Jason Julian switch, surely you would have noticed. That is a good point. <laughs> yes, that perhaps you read something online about that the show is based on comics. Yeah, someone yeah. was, like, explaining that, like, well, we saw Julian in the last season, like, he was the doll, and they were like, well, I've seen every episode, and I don't remember that, and it's like, there's a lot going on here. Yeah, <laughs> that's, like, like, that's, like, being on the witness stand and being like, I don't remember that. Like, yeah, pleading the fifth, but, like, ugh. The, the only thing I'm going to say for that person, the only argument I'm going to make in their favor is the fact that pre-Riverdale... I mean, you know, I've talked about this on the podcast before. I feel like everybody who's in North America has uh -huh. one of two relationships with these characters when I bring up Archie comics. 
the first relationship is, oh my God, I remember that from being a kid. I used to buy them at the grocery store and I used to big the buy the big ones and then read through them when I would get home. And oh yeah, Betty and Veronica, like they have like mm-hmm. a general understanding, if not like a you know, like a geeky deeper understanding like you know the man child that you co-host this podcast with Mm -hmm. but then the other the other uh thing is the other reaction is what is that i don't know what that is i've never heard of that interesting there's very little in the middle i feel i don't know that i've met many people who aren't at least like familiar with it like i didn't read them but i like knew about them i feel like everyone sure knows about them well yeah yeah i do also sometimes get like like they're the only thing they remember is they're like isn't that with like jughead there's like a jughead guy but like that's kind of all they remember from it yeah i feel like the only people i've known who have been like i don't know what that is are like under 25 yeah sure or with immigrant parents Yes, but not Indian people because Archie comics are huge in yeah. India. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm really so pumped for that Archie's um, Bollywood movie that's coming out uh, mm-hmm. in a few months. We might have to, you know, revive XOXO to review that movie. Well, this season's so long that it might still be coming out. No, I, I think the season's done by the time the movie comes out. When does but the movie we'll come see. out? Uh, September. Oh, God, I hope we're done by then. I think, yeah, I think we're going to be done. I think we're going to be done. Ooh. Anyway, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, um, let's get a little more into this episode. Uh, so, <laughs> um, all this stuff about comics, you know, this this evil psychiatrist and comics mm-hmm. being the weapon, this is such a fun usage of a real thing that happened in the 50s that was yeah. crazy. <laughs> And they're just kind of using it in Riverdale. The only thing plot-wise that happened in this episode that we should touch on is it seems like Cliff Blossom may be behind the Muggs' death. He's trying to, yeah, he's trying to sort of create a diversion so that people aren't talking about it too much. Yeah. That's what I was trying to, like, glean from this scene was that if they were, like, admitting to murder to each other, but then, like, it, it was seems... vague vague enough that we're still going to be guessing. I yeah, because then they were like, we got to find the milkman. And it's like, well, if you're all in on it, then you wouldn't need to say that. Yes. yes. But that's also, I remember something that happened in those Mafia episodes where we were like, who is this for? Yes. They were saying things <laughs> that like they all knew. Uh, so who knows? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I will say when Jughead was talking to the comic book editor and explaining like what kids wanted to read and he was explaining how like people want to read things that were happening to like other teenagers and like normal high school stories, I thought this episode was going to be Jughead inventing Archie comics. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been <laughs> great? <laughs> well, yeah, like and then like, you know, space time and implodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> we we've kind of already seen that a little bit in terms of like the Rivervale version of Jughead writing yeah. the destinies of the characters and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is still kind of playing on it, but they did have a great line that was basically like, I, the line was like, well, Pep Comics doesn't have any teen antic, like teen antics comics, like, which yeah. is very funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then um, Jughead was running by some of his ideas in the Pep Comics office with a character named Bernie. 
mm-hmm. and just want to point that out because it's definitely a shout out to this artist named Bernie Wrightson, who was a horror artist, uh, mainly in the seventies, uh, but mm-hmm. was a famous like horror comics artist. Um, yeah, who also we, had, had a hand in creating Swamp Thing. So yeah, we one, met Bernie yeah. a few months, uh, a few episodes ago. Did they shout out? Yeah, that was Jesse Goldwater. Named... Yeah, yeah, because it's Jesse Goldwater, our favorite yep. recurring Nepo baby. Yep. Uh, we're not we're not gonna call him that because he's just related to one of the editors <laughs> like he's whatever. an industry baby he's an industry baby exactly so <laughs> and then like the only thing about this scene that was a little like this feels far-fetched to me is that the editor was like um we need a bunch of stories right now and then mm-hmm. jughead was sort of like let me pitch a whole new comic book concept to you <laughs> Instead of just being like, yeah, I'll write for your horror comic, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So I thought that was a little confusing. Uh, Love the shout out to Diabolique that seems like a cool, sophisticated movie that both Jughead and Ronnie would be into. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I thought that was cool. And then then we got into the, uh, the actual horror stories. The actor that plays the key keeper, have we seen him before? No, no, he's, he's just new. like a Canadian character actor who's sure. been in nothing and everything at the same time. Totally, of course, yeah. He was but he great. Had a kind of familiar face, so I was like, "Is this someone?" Yeah, and I was wondering if maybe he had played someone on the show previous, and it was a shout out and to that. But let me yeah. double check because in my brain now, I'm like, "Wait, did they say there was more than one Riverdale episode?" Yeah, let's look it up. Let's, let's look, look it up it. on the air. I'm gonna sing a song while Kate looks it up. Everybody loves listening to us. Tweet at us if you like my song. If you need a blue sky invite, it's too bad because I gave the only one I had away yesterday. Is that is that invite only blue sky? I haven't like even tried. Yeah, that. it's just blue sky is just really small so far because they're still working out what it is and how it's going to work. So mm-hmm. I I signed up really early and ended up getting an invite um a few weeks ago and I they're giving people invites every two weeks because it's just, just like, Twitter and a different platform, right? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. But like already, it's a much better environment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's going to be kind of curated really differently. So that's what's going on with blue sky, everybody. There we go. Yep, one episode of Riverdale. Okay, so he's only been in this one. All right. Yep. Well, we love him. Uh, he was great. And uh, so this Dilton, <laughs> this Dilton scene. I the second they said you got to keep your head in the game, I knew exactly where it was going, and I liked it anyway. Yes, absolutely. Uh, very fun High School Musical reference there. Get to get you get your head in the game. Yeah. Also, just general sports, you're supposed to keep your head in the game. Side note, he was the whole thing was he was really bad at taking free throws. Yes. You have to do the granny shot, which I'm sure you maybe have no idea what the granny shot is. Yeah, it's two hands, right? And you just sort of it's, underhand well, I mean, it. In. Regular free throws, two hands too. But That's a true. granny yeah. shot is like when you like start between your knees and like toss it up. Yes. 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 It's like the whole thing everyone talks about is that it's what like it is so much more accurate than a regular free throw, but everyone in the NBA is too embarrassed to do it because <laughs> it's too silly looking. Yeah, and like you never see it outside of like elementary school. Like the W yeah. doesn't do it, college doesn't do it. I feel like years ago there was someone in the NBA that like started to do it, and people were like mean to him about it because he like <laughs> missed one shot. 
And it was like, yeah, but like he still made all the others. It's yeah, not... like just granny throw, buddy. The granny shot. No one practices it. <laughs> but it feels like it really would have done Dilton well because he was consistently like very close. He was hitting the rim. Yes. <laughs> but uh, no, no one told him. So a little bit of Archie comics minutia here. We finally saw Coach Cleats. Mm-hmm. who is an old school Archie. He's the sports coach. He's a little kind of round faced and got, has got kind of a big nose and like, it's a little goofy looking good actor playing coach cleats, some good matching there. Mm-hmm. We've seen and heard a lot over the years from coach Clayton, mm-hmm. who is the more modern coach that we have. Who's Chuck Clayton's dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we've had him, but we haven't had cleats yet. And there he is in the show. Uh, the only thing I'm going to say about the way this was written, how Dilton was like, well, I just want to be part of a team. And that's why he was doing it. I'm sorry. Archie Comics Dilton would never be bothered with sports. <laughs> Absolutely not. He would build a robot to help the team win. I was about to say, like, esports is considered, like, a varsity sport at a lot of schools. I know. And, like, robotics teams get, like, letters and stuff now. But... I feel like Dilton is not an esports competitor. He is making esports games, you know? He's that kind of guy. Not even the robotics team? Robotics team, yes. He would Because those are varsity at some schools. So he'd be the head of the varsity robotics team at yeah. modern Riverdale high for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I just want to be part of a team. I was like, Oh, Dilton, you would never bother. <laughs> yeah. And I'm fairly certain they didn't have a robotics team at the time. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but they were all playing Fortnite in competitive settings. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yes. Go for it. <laughs> when he's shooting the severed heads. Yeah. And Julian's head rolls away. It looks exactly like Spencer Pratt. (laughs) (laughs) I did not notice that, but thank you. (laughs) Who, for the listener at home who didn't watch The Hills New Beginnings, which is (laughs) the recent version of The Hills, Spencer Pratt has become the most bearable, understandable, understandable, grounded character in that show. Like, he's so relatable and everyone loves him. And it's such a twist. (laughs) <laughs> that no one saw coming, but like truly, like you're watching this whole thing and you're like, oh, he's the only person here that's not an absolute nightmare. So good for Spencer Pratt for really coming full circle. I'm sorry that it, it looked so much like his head. How upsetting. The only character. But figure out if this were 10 years ago, how everyone would be like, yeah, dude. Yeah, Spencer Pratt. Ugh. Off of his head. <laughs> Screw Spidey. Uh, so something else that this story did very well, that I want to mm-hmm. point out, is. Um, we saw um uh like we saw dilton reach for the axe and then uh he sort of walked away and then we cut to like all of them being beheaded and him shooting the right yeah and that is sort of like right on the cusp of where those comics would have cut as well like mm-hmm. those comics insinuated a lot and there certainly was some gore here and there, but they wouldn't like literally show someone chopping someone else up. So I, I thought that yeah. this whole episode did that really well. Um, then we get one. I want to go to the bumper scene here where we get this explanation of 
the fact that these are morality tales, right? Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, like this is all correct. And like Jughead explains this really well, but then it segues into whose morality. And it ended up being a white, straight, cis morality uh, in terms of how Jughead looked at sort of sex in these and how he portrayed women mm-hmm. as well. And it made Veronica mad. I thought that was a really smart modern take on how these comics are at this point very dated. Yeah. It's because also, like, he said that, and I was like, these don't feel like morality tales, like, at all. And that's just because uh, that sense of morality is not. Well, I mean, okay morality yes like some of the some of the ec comics that these are you know in tribute to were very good morality tales like would Mm. you know like some of them were like and that's the other thing too yes like the ec comics were certainly sexist for sure uh in terms of like there being a lot of kind of like dangerous female characters and like Mm -hmm. you know these sort of femme fatales and but it very often did have to do with men not treating them properly and then they, you know, get their revenge and you better watch out. But there was uh, a lot of work being done in those comics centered around anti-bigotry. Uh, that was a big topic that a lot of those comics and like sort of like issues around anti-greed, you know, um, good parenting, like that sort of stuff that was on the minds because the editors were all, you know, it was, the EC was very Jewish and was very New York and was very like 50s Jewish New York liberal, you know, in terms Mm of the mindset, which is, which is the real reason why the, why Congress came after them. Like that's the reason. And it wasn't really, the gore was a, was an excuse you know what i mean yeah so you know talking about the morality i think i think that's really smart and like and leads to actually sort of a bit of a gray area conversation about like like it but it totally turned off veronica from like dating jughead and i think that that's kind of smart actually yeah because like the betty one with the hair was like oh it's like not being vain i see the morality but yeah, then, but like, also, the, like, let her have a nice hairdo. Yeah, <laughs> like, and, like, the Archie Cheryl one was, like, not to, like, give in to, like, your lust or anything. But it was really, like, it's not until you bring up that Jughead says morality that I'm like, oh. Yeah. It just doesn't And the feel... first one was don't lock a kid in a locker overnight, which is, like, yeah, don't fucking do that. That's the that's horrible. Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> like, at least I'm like, yeah, that's pretty moral. But the second one was, like, there's nothing in this that's feel like and I, i'm sure in the 50s it felt that but it's just really does not yeah the second one was the beehive one right no the second one was cheryl with leprosy oh le- leprosy cheryl yeah totally yeah. yeah because it felt consensual between leprosy cheryl and uh doofball archie, archie. yeah yeah it there was like that was the one that really struck me as like no there's yeah. no real moral here yeah, this is just sort of there's a there's a bit of a meanness to this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. And and it was interesting that they kind of that they knew what they were doing and they touched on it and made it a plot point instead of it just being bad Riverdale writing. Yeah. 
Like, good for them, yeah. <laughs> and in this Cheryl story, mm-hmm. uh, the narrator, when Archie is hooking up with uh, the outline mm-hmm. of Cheryl, mm-hmm. it's the cutaways avert, you, avert your eyes, your pervert, and turn the page. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah. Yeah, super fun. Um, there were also a few call-outs in that uh, story to Rocky Horror that I just mm-hmm. want to bring up of the first one being that Archie's taught, you know, car catches a flat, which mm-hmm. is an old trope, but yeah. is very famously used in Rocky horror. And when Cheryl comes into his room to visit him, she is only seen in silhouette, which is very mm-hmm. similar to some scenes in Rocky horror where Dr. Frankenfurter comes in and is only in silhouette uh, when he seduces Brad and Janet. So mm-hmm. that's kind of fun. Um, <laughs> uh yeah shout out to just when his name came on the credits this you know riverdale staff writer greg murray great job with this episode yeah (laughs) so stylized you could tell he was really enjoying it i don't know if the comics would have said avert your eyes you pervert like i don't know if they would have actually called the readers perverts that feels a little a little not 50s enough it felt like how the show was going to get away with not showing so much gratuitous sex that they're known for. It felt like yeah. it was for their own benefit. Yeah, they were like, we just want to have fun. We don't need to yeah, have a sex people are going to be here. like, why didn't we show them grinding when that's what we usually do? Totally, totally. Why wasn't this set in a jungle? What's happening? Yeah. I'm oh, so confused. Yeah. Suspicious. Yeah, why isn't this in a dream it, jungle? <laughs> that is where she got leprosy, so... Yes, she got leprosy in the jungle. Maybe that's a callback to the to sequence. To the sex scene, yep. Yeah, yep. from last week. Yeah, maybe. Yep, that's what that's what this podcast is for, is for yes. catching these little nuances. Oh, yeah, we're so good at it. Yeah, we're really yep. good at it. We're really good at nuances. Mm-hmm. Hire us, Vulture. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's talk about this, uh, this beehive Which story. Is- very scary stories to tell in the dark inspired. Um, to tell in the dark has the one story with the girl with a zit who keeps like trying to like fix or is it. that Brandon said my partner, my partner Brandon. I have a partner, listeners. My partner. Um, we watched this together because I was like, oh my god, this episode's such a treat. Watch this with me, Brandon. And he was like, great. He. He said it was from, it It felt very similar to a story from um, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Uh, maybe Are You Afraid of the Dark did it after Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, but it was Scary definitely Stories, Stories to, to, tell to Tell in the Dark, dark, is, dark. is the book series. And yeah. Are You Afraid of the Dark? It, okay. Yeah. And then the zip pops and it's spiders. Oh, yeah. 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 And if, you, if Are You Afraid of the Dark did it, which I totally believe they would, it would have been a couple of years later. Yes, yeah. So. Scary stories was earlier. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, but like, do you feel it was a ripoff or just an homage? I mean, it's like that. This story is very well trodden with the, the the spider's nest. This isn't a new thing. Like, yeah, it felt like having it that be this. It was the same moral too. Is like a yeah. little offbeat. Yeah, uh, or not offy, but a little too close. It felt almost, but this was fun. We got a drag queen. Yes, um, her name is Joan, Joan E. e. Yeah, this, this felt 
especially the sequence in the parlor, mm-hmm. it, this does feel fairly John Waters influenced, this entire yeah. sequence, which uh, very into it, loved it. Yeah. 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 Super It was, cool. yeah, that was like when she was giving her the hairspray, I was like, oh, this is, there's that too. But yes, that, and the, and the hairspray was called, was called Aquaset. Yeah. This podcast is brought to you by Aquaset. Mm-hmm. You need to hold up your hair. Yeah. It Use felt- Aquaset. <laughs> Influenced by John Waters, but like directly scary stories to tell in the dark. Yeah, yeah. In terms of the the the, the spider story. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Absolutely. That's when we got that fabulous, fabulous shot in this story where Betty's going to bed mm-hmm. and there's the web forms around her. And I was like, oh, I know where this is going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It, I will say too, like this whole thing is she's trying to get attention from boys, and when they're in pops, Archie like introduces her, and pops is like, "She's always been a peach." Like you're behind the times, Archie, which I mm-hmm. love. Yes, great line for pops, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then we got Doctor Curdle. We got Doctor Doctor Curdle Junior. Right. We was... haven't established which Doctor Curdle this is. Okay, but yeah, we got him. We got a uh, Doctor Curdle. <laughs> Yes, who hates spiders, who ran out of his scene. With going, the line, I hate spiders. Spi- it was <laughs> anything but spiders. Yes. I think it may have been in Indiana Jones, anything but snakes. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, and then last thing about that story that I loved is, come on, Archie, let's go dance. And then... Like, it's just a joke at this point that KJ's just such a bad dancer. Yeah. And this type of dancing is actually so appropriate for him mm-hmm. as an actor. And him, he looked like he was having the time of his life dancing in that sequence. And it was so fun to watch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then we got this final, this final story. Mm-hmm. This this uh, threesome story, the uh, the or or the, the the love triangle. So, this was the first half of this. Was the most KJ has ever gotten to play Archie for comedy, and it's just mm-hmm. such a treat to see him play this character. For like the reason why he was created, as opposed yeah. to like violent bro Archie. Yeah, this like, was the most comic book Archie. Yeah, when he was at the movie and was nodding off. Yeah, oh, like, it was so good. Yeah, his timing was so good, right? Yeah, he starts pounding the coffee. Like, great, no notes. Yeah, it was awesome. It was so funny. Um, yeah, and they set up the coffee. Great. That scene too, where he was. <laughs> talking to all of the basketball team about how he plays both these girls and how they were all taking notes. Like they were all so excited. That was so funny and so absolutely goofy and was the style of these totally goofball dopey comic books. So that was great. Yeah. (laughs) Um, then we, Oh, so at one point, Veronica called Betty as fragile as a Glamour J egg. Yes, we did get yes. a Glamour J reference. Yes, great to work in this Glamour J reference. 
And then they started calling Archie a, a, a rat fink. Mm-hmm. Mm, great 50s slang. Thank you. That was popular on my elementary school playground. To the extent that I have in recent years, every once in a while, looked it up to find the etymology of it and like just can never really find it. It feels to me like it was probably popularized. Like there's a character named Rat Fink who's a Big Daddy Kane character. Mm-hmm. Big Daddy Kane's a uh, surf artist and a hot rod artist. He used to draw kind of crazy hot rods and like surf sort of weird alternate culture surf characters in the 50s. And Rat Fink is, is his, his most famous character and Rat Fink's from around the mid 50s into the early mm-hmm. 60s. And so, like, the mid 90s. <laughs> yeah, these, yeah, well, with you guys on the, which is totally, yeah. Yeah, I don't wild. know why that is, yeah. But like I heard this episode and I was like, oh my God, like it felt like I had dreamt it as an insult. Yes. <laughs> uh and um yeah the only the only thing was a little off model about this whole episode for me was like how heavily they were insinuating that they were going to have a threesome with archie Mm -hmm. only that i feel like that wasn't off the table for these comics but that it would have been a little more subtle it would have been done a little differently than archie coming in and being like well i'm gonna need a lot of energy for what's gonna happen tonight like it was like yeah exactly (laughs) but then they sawed him in half which is a great solution yep especially to go horizontally like that so that one person gets the legs and one person gets the torso well i am gonna say what brandon said when that happened uh that was a creepy boyfriend thing for him to say (laughs) He said, oh, so one of them gets the head and one of them gets the penis. Yeah. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> That's what but I was like. It feels like they should have gone with the vertical slice <laughs> if they're trying to make this play. I mean, frankly, they shouldn't go with any slice because both of them are going to kill him. But it felt like the vertical slice made more sense for the point they were trying to get at. Yeah. It. The, I get why they wanted to end it with them slicing him in half and it was a really satisfying ending. It would have been kind of amazing if they could have finagled this story that like what they end up doing to share him is like make him some sort of like prisoner or something or hold something over him so that Mm -hmm. like they're in control. But, but the point is that it's supposed to be a little sexist yeah, uh, we got a nice little shining reference. The most the easiest horror movie reference to do. <laughs> what was the shining reference? What did I miss? He walks in to see them, they both like in unison sitting the same in the same voice. They like, we're so happy to see you. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's a little shining. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh all right. So those were all of the stories. And then, you know, we get this um this uh editorial written by Frederick Wortham, you know, whatever, <laughs> Werther's, Dr. Werther's. And the editorial is called Slaughter of the Innocent, which is very close to Seduction of the Innocent. So mm-hmm. just want to bring that up. And then Veronica gets a little cross with Jughead because of the nature of these stories and decides she doesn't really want to hang out with him for the rest of the night. Yeah. You think this is the end of Vughead? 
it's hard to say. I think they kind of have to make a decision here because if Jughead keeps going with the comic books, then that's going to have to be the end of it. Yes. But I don't know. Why would she stay with with him? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to do with Veronica at this point. Yeah. 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 Like Veronica has been so fucking fun this season. Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to, uh, I kind of want to see a relationship play through with Juggy and Veronica. And I want it to be like, a lot of movie references and a lot of yeah. sophistication, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Who was on your uh, crush list? Who was on your power list? Let's do My it. power list. I just have for this episode, Jughead and Weatherby. That's because that's really all that drove that. For thing. sure. For sure. Yeah. With the plot. Yeah. Who's yeah. on your crush list? Betty. Mm-hmm. Archie, who doesn't normally make it, and yeah. Veronica. Love it. Love it. How about you? I'm going to give my crush list this week to Betty, Veronica, and Cheryl. Okay. The three titans of of characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, you know, power list. This was a, this was a bottle episode, really. So I'm going to yeah. give it to the key keeper. Great. <laughs> you know, the man yep. behind the scenes. Like, whatever. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It <laughs> doesn't matter. No, it doesn't uh what's happening next week peep show oh interesting it's gonna be an homage to sophisticated british comedies yeah it's all gonna be that's a sketch show right i've never actually watched peep show i've watched only a teeny bit of it and remember thinking it was good and then just like dropping it but yeah yeah it just doesn't seem like it's for me yeah (laughs) well anyway that was a fun episode yeah uh thanks to our editor angeli marcato and our theme songwriter, Louis Aronowitz. And thanks to everybody that's been listening and enjoying. And, uh, you know, if you have anything to say to us, you can tweet at us. You can find me on Blue Sky. <laughs> Not uh, me. Instagram. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll see you all next week. Yeah. Bye. Bye.